Hello, welcome to another MLEX podcast. My name is James Paniki from MLEX's Asia Pacific editorial team. It's great to be with you again to talk about all of the big regulatory issues of the moment. And in the US, our beat has been dominated in recent weeks by whistleblower allegations suggesting that antitrust work being carried out by the Federal Department of Justice, the DOJ, may have been on the receiving end of political interference. Now, foreign observers know that some degree of politicisation of US institutions through presidential appointments can be expected, but these revelations go much further than that. Joshua Sisko is MLEX's chief antitrust correspondent based in San Francisco. He's been covering congressional hearings along with our M&A reporter Jenna Ebersol, who's based in Washington, D.C. Jenna's away at the moment, but Joshua is very much with us. Now, Josh, let's uh, set the scene first. Who are the DOJ whistleblowers and uh, what did they have to say last week? So there was a pair of men testifying uh, before the House Judiciary Committee last week. Uh, The main event... Well, depends on your point of view, but uh, one of the two people was a man named Aaron Zelinsky, who was on uh, the former special counsel Robert Mueller's uh, team of prosecutors investigating Russian uh, influence in uh, the last presidential election. Um, but the other person testifying was a man named John Elias, who is a longtime antitrust division prosecutor. He's worked on a number of teams, including with uh, front office uh, division leadership. He's been there for for many years. I think he started in the uh, George W. Bush administration and has worked through uh, Obama and into and into the current administration. So he's he's a career official. Uh, He was uh, formerly the chief of staff for former uh, antitrust division head Bill Baer. He was uh, chief of staff for a moment for the current antitrust division head Megan Delrahim. So he's, he's currently a criminal prosecutor focused on uh, a generic drug cartel. So he's been around the division for quite a while, and he had some uh, pretty, um, you know, shocking allegations of uh, political influence in the division. And uh, both men testified for about, I think it was a total of four and a half to five hours on uh on Wednesday last week. Well, Josh, let's talk about that. I mean, you've said that Elias, in his testimony, didn't really... Um, depart from what he said at the outset from his opening uh, written prepared remarks. But those remarks were nonetheless quite devastating in a way because he was suggesting that there had been, in fact, political interference in how antitrust investigations were being run. Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, you know, there was pretty explosive testimony that he had. Uh, you know, the antitrust division prides itself on being a neutral arbiters of the facts and they, they take you know, they look for any competitive conduct and investigate and prosecute when it exists. And they see themselves as sort of this, uh, you know, towing, you know, fighting the good fight. And, you know, the DOJ is part of the executive branch, so it's inherently a political organization. But antitrust has has sort of historically tried to remain above the fray as much as possible. And now they've sort of been roped into the broader uh fight or debate or however you want to characterize it over political influence at the Justice Department more broadly. And uh, there was a pair of investigations that Elias said, you know, initiated under um, ill means. Um, one was a group of car makers last year, I think it was Ford, BMW, Volkswagen, and Honda, 
signed agreements with the state of California to manufacture cars, you know, that uh, comported with higher uh, emissions standards. California has higher emission standards for its cars, and so these these manufacturers agreed to build cars around that standard. The president himself was, uh, you know, displeased with that. He uh, tweeted about it, you know, expressing, you know, his his great displeasure over the agreements and how the federal government is the only one to be that should be able to set emission standards. And the next day, an investigation was opened the antitrust division into whether or not the four automakers colluded with each other in uh, setting these new manufacturing standards. And Elias said that there was no reason, no justifiable reason for the for the probe, and it was almost exclusively in order to sort of as retribution for for the car makers' decisions and and for California. And Josh, we should point out that the uh, politician that we're really referring to is uh, the Attorney General of the United States, uh, someone, William Barr, someone who obviously is very closely aligned with uh, President Donald Trump. He's not only was appointed by Trump, but he's also been very vociferous in his defence of Trump on a number of issues. The most prominent, I suppose, internationally is uh, his involvement with the Mueller report. Uh, So the suggestion is that it was uh, political and that Barr himself uh, intervened. Is that right? In the Carmaker report, uh, it was more along the lines of the, the antitrust division leadership working at the behest of the president and initiating this investigation um, to appease the president. But there was a second investigation that were a series of investigations that were opened up that were more in line with how you described it. And those were merger reviews of 10 different uh, legal marijuana companies. So marijuana is legal to some degree, uh, medical marijuana in most states and a handful of states uh, legal for um fun time use. <laughs> and uh, there, there was about, uh, there's 10 mergers that uh, were investigated. And Elias's accusations around those were that those investigations were opened up strictly because as the way he put it, the fifth, the, the cannabis industry is not liked on the fifth floor, referring to uh, where William Barr's office is. So the suggestion there was that William Barr didn't approve of marijuana use. And as a result, was uh, highly sceptical of the cannabis industry and and wanted the industry to be, uh, if not reined in, at least uh, hampered through the operations of the Department of Justice. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Elias you, like, described it as harassment and undue and, and overly burdensome to uh, sort of just meddle and slow down, meddle in the companies and slow them down. Um, he said that there was no, like... No real legal justification under the antitrust laws to open up uh, a series of in-depth reviews in these companies. I mean, most com- most mergers have to be publicly filed with the antitrust agencies, but the vast majority of deals get approved in a short amount of time. And there's, I think, one to two percent of deals in the U.S. are given sort of a more in-depth look, what's called a second request for information. And these 10 deals were given second requests, which are, you know, very burdensome. They have to produce sometimes millions of documents. It takes months and months. It just kind of for small, especially for smaller companies, it can slow down their entire operations. And, and Elias was alleging that 
the DOJ used these second requests to sort of meddle in mm. in an industry that, that Barr didn't like. And there was also a mention of a second whistleblower in this context, right? What do we know about that second whistleblower? Uh, very little. There was a mention that uh, there was another whistleblower who complained about the merger reviews in the marijuana companies, but she was not named um, beyond just a, a passing reference uh at the hearing, at the congressional hearing last week. All right. So all of this emerged in the context of a congressional hearing. How did Congress react to Elias's testimony? Well, it was predictably split along partisan lines. The Democrats were very, very interested and saw it as just more evidence of uh, corruption at the Justice Department. The Republicans felt differently. They didn't think it was really that important. Uh, The Republican side uh, of the committee they focused much more of their attention on Zelensky, the Mueller, the, the former uh, Mueller prosecutor. And there was, you know, a lot of grandstanding on both sides, a lot of bickering over rules. There was multiple times where they were bickering over rules of whether these people were even allowed to testify under procedural grounds. And it was pretty it was a it was a fairly chaotic hearing. Um, uh, but, but Josh, the, the, the chaos of that hearing and the fact that it was all bogged down in, in procedural matters means that maybe what Elias had to say would have resonated with uh, antitrust nerds like you and me but not necessarily with the wider uh, public. I, I'm just wondering if, in a way, what he did have to say was somewhat muted given that political context. I think so. I mean, I think for the vast majority of the public, uh, the Mueller, the former Mueller prosecutor was definitely the star of the show. I'd like to think that antitrust was the star of the show, but uh, I, might be in the, <laughs> I might be in the minority there. Um, you know, there was a lot of chatter in the bar, um, in the antitrust bar around, you know, leading up to what Elias was going to testify about. And, and then his remarks sort of were leaked out the day before the hearing. And I think there was a lot of surprise. I mean, people had long suspected that this was happening. And I think this gives that, uh, that suspicion a lot of credibility. Um, I should say that, you know, the, the whistleblower complained around the, the marijuana companies. That was investigated by the Justice Department's Office of Professional Responsibility, and they ultimately uh, came out with a memo earlier this month that basically absolved the antitrust division of any of any wrongdoing. They said that the investigations were necessary, that sometimes they agreed with the division's reasoning that, you know, in a nascent industry like legal marijuana, sometimes these second requests are necessary to learn more about the industry, and that they handled themselves appropriately, and even... Which most maybe most uh, astonishingly, they said that even if even if Elias was right, is right in his testimony that there was political influence in opening up these investigations, that it doesn't matter. So in in a way, they're support, supporting both the uh, the whistleblower and the political interference there. So very delicate fence sitting on their part. But what about the antitrust establishment? I'm assuming that antitrust lawyers in D.C. are talking about this. What is the sense of how they are viewing it? I think it's also sort of a partisan issue. I think not every. I think there's some people that ultimately don't think it was that big of a deal. Uh, there were there was Elias that definitely has a lot of support. There was a letter that was circulated right before the hearing last week with you know nearly three dozen signatures of past uh, DOJ antitrust officials, including his former boss uh, Bill Baer, not to be confused with Bill Barr. 
so I think, you know, people are, people are definitely concerned and I think it's going to impact, it's going to sort of put a cloud over the Justice Department's decisions going forward. And now that this issue is in the public domain, I wonder if affected companies might have some recourse. Well, that's a little bit tricky. I mean, you can always file a lawsuit. You could always sue the government. That's probably not going to happen. In the case of the the automakers, uh, that investigation was dropped uh, back in February, uh, closed without action. So nothing happened to the car company. So they're unlikely to want to uh, make a big deal out of it. As far as the marijuana companies, I think there was one deal, one deal that was named specifically in Elias's uh, prepared remarks were between two uh, pot sellers, legal pot sellers, companies called Pharmacan and MedMen. And they actually said that it was sort of ultimately a blessing because one of the companies was struggling and it turned out to be for the other company, uh, you know, a blessing in disguise that the deal never happened. Although they did say that the deal falling apart was a direct result of the extended review. The biggest issue will be going forward, you know, the credibility of the division. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, what is the antitrust division of the DOJ likely to do from this point on? How will this matter affect their day-to-day work? I think in large part, their day-to-day work is going to remain unchanged. I mean, the vast majority of the people there are career officials who believe in the mission, who have not been accused of any wrongdoing. I mean, this is the the whistleblower's, the whistleblower's complaint was sort of directed at uh, senior political leadership that are appointed and, and, and not at uh, career officials. So he was very clear to be, you know, supportive of, of his... I mean, he's, Elias still works at the antitrust division currently, so he is not accusing uh, the overwhelming majority of his uh, colleagues of any sort of wrongdoing. I think there will be, you know, some there's some high-profile investigations that are uh, certainly underway right now, including Google and um, and some other tech companies. The Justice Department is, uh, you know, nearing a, a lawsuit likely against Google, an antitrust lawsuit against Google, and. So that is certainly going to draw a lot of scrutiny. I think it wouldn't be a surprise if if Google tries to attack uh, the Justice Department based on, you know, that this lawsuit was brought, you know, in some sort of biased way. I mean, the President Trump has been very clear that he believes that a lot of large tech companies, you know, suppress conservative voices and, and political speech. And so I think... I wouldn't be surprised to see that argument made by Google that the the lawsuit wasn't brought uh, in a in an objective manner. But I think that even if they were able to sort of make some headway on that theory, the Justice Department's still not going to bring a lawsuit, an antitrust lawsuit, unless it's grounded in antitrust theory and unless it has antitrust claims. So it's probably going to be a sideshow, if anything. This is all very hypothetical, but I think that there, I think there's going to be a lingering cloud. But in practice, I, I don't think it's going to really impact, impact their work. Okay, so plenty for us to keep an eye on over coming uh, months and possibly years. Josh, it's been great talking. Let's talk again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot, James. Joshua Sisko is MLEX's chief antitrust reporter in the US, and he joined me from San Francisco. That's it for this week. Don't forget, you can check out the best of our reporting at the MLEX website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Center tab. 
I'm James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. I'll be back in your feed next Friday, more or less at the same time. Thank you very much for your company today. Have a great weekend. See you soon. Bye. Bye.